0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to unedited Theron and Hazel Land, otherwise known as the Q&A at the end of Interference, and at the end of Legends of Chell, because people asked us questions about that too, and we just sort of had a Chell explosion last week where everything ended all at once. So why not? Uh, we have taken questions from Twitter and Discord, and we're going to answer them. For anyone here listening, which is currently nobody... Uh, we are going to handle the texty questions first. Uh, oh, hi, C-Tate. Uh, so I was just saying for anyone here listening, hello, we are going to handle texty questions first. Um, but if you have a question that you want to say aloud, uh, we will give you a chance to unmute yourself at some point. Uh, And if you're just dropping in and you have a question and you need to skedaddle, uh, you can send a message in the server and we will drop everything for you. Um, I also want to note that everything is being recorded, so if you don't want your voice to appear in the show, let me know and I will edit you out. Okay, Hazel, ask me a question.
1: Ask you a question. Okay, let's see. <clears throat> oh, what should I start with? What should I start with? Okay, Um. so we have one from Discord, from C. Tate, and it says, Jack's a druid now, right?
0: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I have not really thought about specifically the class that Jack is. Um, I kind of think of her as a wizard because she's learning magic with her brain. Like she doesn't have an innate talent for it as far as we know. Um, But I think that probably since she's from earth, she's some sort of amalgamation of different styles Mm. uh, that like nobody has seen before. And that's why her, um, her code words and uh, components are so, unusual so like there might be some druid influence in there because that's my bag but (laughs) but i kind of (laughs) think of her as a wizard okay
1: yeah that makes sense to me too i thought that she was um probably you know a wizard um which is i think what geneva is not that that's all the school teaches but um that just made sense with what you seem to be doing at the end there
0: yeah whoosh and stuff yeah Okay, it's my turn, right? Yeah. Should I find an easy one for you, or should I uh, do something difficult right off the bat?
1: Uh, I don't know. Whatever you feel like. I thought I would open it up with an easy one. Um, okay. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I did that, so you can do what you want now.
0: Okay. Uh, so I'm going to jump into Deej's question. Um, Deej is at DeejSilvis on Twitter, um, and they ask... I'd love to hear more about how you created the characters. The world is obviously linked to a lot of other world building you've done, but I would be interested in hearing particularly about the process of character building for the show. Um, And then underneath it, I put a list of characters so that we remember who everyone is. (laughs) Okay. So,
1: um, I guess I did create most of the characters. So it's a good question for me. Um, not that you well, didn't I'll, help.
0: I'll, yeah, I can chime in too.
1: Yeah, not that you didn't help flesh stuff out, and uh, you're mostly in charge of Jack. Um, so uh, we'll start with Jack and Geneva, I guess. And they're us. They're, That's yeah, it. They're, they're basically just us. They're basically us. Um, yeah. You know, us in those situations with magic and stuff, and you know, there are definitely liberties taken, but they're they're basically just us.
0: Yeah, Jack is sort of, like, who I want to be rather than who I actually am, I think. Mm. She's she's braver, and uh, she is, um, like, better at finding justice and stuff like that, uh, whereas I'm just kind of, I'm just me. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, and Geneva is, I think, probably a little closer to me than Jack is to you. Um, maybe not, um, but... Um, yeah, um, Geneva's me. She's got a lot of anxiety <laughs> and stuff going on. Um, she can take charge, but doesn't really like it. Um, and there's there's a lot of stuff that's not me. I can't do magic. Um, sorry for anyone who thinks I can. Um, and <laughs> I'm not a giant orc woman. Um, I'm also not bi and don't drink even a little bit but um (laughs) mostly pretty well me i could even technically have the skill to build that little rock arch that geneva put the plant in um not and have it be pretty but i could build it (laughs) so yeah uh jack and geneva are basically us
0: i think that an important avenue to explore so i'm going to sort of ask you a follow-up question about the characters is like how we decided to make these characters like this like because i remember sitting in the living room with you uh, and we were taking all these notes on what sort of show we might want to make Mm -hmm. um and i it was it was like not long after you came out as trans um, and we were thinking about working that into the show somehow so, like, what do you, how do you think that, like, that time and those decisions ended up influencing the characters, like, being different and how we ended up using them?
1: Yeah, so, um, so this ties into how we started the podcast in the first place, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> and I don't know really how to go into that too much without talking about that. So, um, we started the podcast because... Theron wanted to, they were having a really good time with, um, Roll Like a Girl. Roll Like a Girl. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they wanted to do, uh, something in our world. Um, and, uh, we decided... Really, I
0: wanted to do something with you. Like, I wanted to bring you into it. Yeah. I'm not even sure that Chell was, like, the goal at first.
1: Mm. Um... So, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out what to do. I wasn't really too into the idea of doing uh, something at the time. No, I wasn't. Um, Yeah, so I was struggling a lot with what we would do. And uh, as we bandied ideas back and forth, I was like, well, I just came out as trans. And it would be really good to have some trans representation, because I never really had that. And so, the character who lived on Earth was going to be a trans woman. And that got changed around a little bit.
0: It did. Uh, We definitely had this moment where we decided that I shouldn't be the one playing the trans character, um, and I was going to be the one on Earth, like, from as soon as we started developing the idea. Uh, And... Mm -hmm. Part of that was because of our voices, which I regret now, um, and part of it was just because like, I was very devoted to playing this like little Earth nerd who would be obsessed with all of the stuff that she was going to be learning about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even remember that we had set it up kind of love and luck style, where I was thinking about you playing the trans person, I don't remember that. But I believe you. Yeah. I guess we're going to jump over to Leopold and Julian a bit since I'm talking about love and luck. It's interesting yeah, because, yeah, uh, we originally had the role of who was playing the trans person, who was playing the cis person uh, reverse like it was in love and luck. And we straightened that out. And then when we brought Julie and Leopold in, who were played by Aaron and Lee, I also kind of reversed them in my head anyway
0: like you have a trans headcanon for the boys? Uh,
1: no, it's uh, their personalities.
0: Oh, I see.
1: Yeah, so in this one, uh, Lee plays the more comedic, the more loose character. And Aaron plays the like uh, kind of straight, logic, serious one. And I felt like... It's not like a complete mirroring or anything, but I thought felt that was like a little re- bit of a reversal from Love and Luck. Mhm. And I thought that that was interesting. So, yeah, I guess we'll get we'll get back to them cuz all of the crew really need to be talked about together, I think. Um, except for Jin cuz Jin came first.
0: Showed up in the first season. Yeah. Well, maybe we should we should talk about uh I th- Did somebody ask about our writing process? I don't think so. So I feel like we should talk about the way that the show worked in the first season, because it was really extremely, like, slipshod, throw it together every week. Yes. Like, we, we had made this agreement to release an episode every two weeks, I think. Uh, and it was basically, like, on Thursday night, we would be like, oh, shit, we're supposed to do an episode of interference we have to have it out like in a few hours let's write it and record it now <laughs> yes. uh, because that's how <laughs> podcasting worked in our minds at the beginning we had never like heard of the audio drama scene or anything like that we got involved with that later
1: yeah i feel like the plan was always to write a little ahead but it rarely happened yeah we're busy Episode 1 and 2 were written ahead. They were written together um, because they had to be um, with how those were structured. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those were the only two that were written ahead before we started recording. Yeah. So we wrote those two and then we went in and then just like every every week or every other week, whatever we were doing, um, we would write the episode and then we'd record it and then upload it. And sometimes that was within, you know... A couple of hours time and sometimes it was a couple of days but um yeah it was it was very uh kind of weird and yeah
0: and that's why the the characters in season one are so different from the characters in season two because we sort of just threw things together and then like bartered and asked friends to provide voices so uh in the first season Jen was played by Lauren because I was pretty much working with Lauren all the time on Roll Like a Girl uh and then like all of our other friends made like brief appearances whenever we need another voice so like Kieran from Legends of Tell played a character Nikki played a character um test played a character so like all of these people that we knew from role-playing podcasts ended up on this show just because they were free at the time <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> we needed other people um and we needed other people a lot sooner in season one and more often than i anticipated <laughs> so um we would get people last minute um we asked kieran to play carter And then we needed that character again. But Theron was like, well, we just asked them to do the one. So we should do something else. So we got Lauren to do Jen kind of for a more long term uh, kind of role up front.
0: Then the second season rolled around and we had like grand plans because we had like become part of the audio drama Mm -hmm. community rather than just being sort of on our own. Um, So we had, like, a better idea of how things worked. And we realized, like, oh, the fact that we ended the season uh, and we aren't just continually writing this and we don't really have an infinite idea for this show is totally fine and normal. Also, we should Mm -hmm. be writing things ahead. (laughs) So we planned for Geneva's crew, like, significantly. And I I guess everybody saw that because we did a casting call um, and it was very exciting but at the same time like we still aren't real planners because the second half of the season which just came out was not finished when we started recording with everybody yeah a
1: lot of the first half wasn't either really um i don't know how far i got in writing ahead before we started releasing but i had set myself and i would told the actors that i would have them their lines a month ahead of time Uh, For them to look at. Mm -hmm. And then I needed it two weeks before uh, the release date. So I was still writing as I was going. But I was further ahead uh, than I had been before. Um, And also in the first season I was writing Geneva. Theron was writing Jack. And we kind of worked on the other characters together. And in season two I was writing everything. Um, Theron would come in. Uh, as my editor and suggest things and help me when I got stuck Um, and uh, especially focused on getting Jack right because that's their character. Um, But I was writing everyone.
0: Yeah, the nature of how we were collaborating on it changed a lot in the second season because I was kind of overwhelmed with stuff. So like Hazel took over as the main writer and we would more rather than writing it together when she got stuck or when she had a few ideas like she'd bounce them off me and we would we would come up with the best one together
1: so when we were doing season 2 um we knew that we needed more characters an we needed an adventuring party. party so um the original idea was that the adventuring party would be there and they'd go out and we wouldn't hear from them very much i told everybody three they'd be in 3 to 4 episodes um, and they ended up being in double that um, because I, I wrote mm-hmm. them more than I thought I was going to.
0: Well, it was so interesting once they had yeah. voices. <laughs>
1: Um I knew that our main focus was Jack and Geneva. People were really interested in their relationship and the talking about the two different worlds from different points of view and stuff. Um, so that was the main that was the main thing of interference. But we also had action going on. So, uh, we needed an adventuring party to deal with that, and we would hear. The idea was we'd hear from them occasionally, but not often. Um, and mostly, we'd hear about what was going on with Jack and Geneva talking to each other, um, which we definitely get, but not as much of that as I was originally thinking. And mm-hmm. so the adventuring party came about. Um, Jin was easy. Um, <laughs> Jin was like Jin was important and there. And had a relationship with Geneva um throughout their adventures in chell um so Jen was definitely an easy oh well, I can use Jen um Jen is kind of a rogue type um cast magic, but um a rogue type character um and then mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, well, I need other people, so I need some strong adventuring types, and I think. I don't remember if it was both Elise and Damien that I came up with their name and them being as the strong, one of the strong people in season one. I, th- I think Damien was definitely there and maybe Elise, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of season one. We were already plotting what we needed for season two.
0: Yeah. I don't think we'll ever do it again, but something that is unique about Interference or maybe not unique, but interesting about Interference that the way that we wrote it even in season 2 gave us some flexibility with the characters mm-hmm. like once we we had you had these ideas that were based on like what class they were in D&D yeah, basically so we had we had a lot of magic because it's a highly magical society the orcs and um, we had a little bit of muscle but then we found our voice actors for those concepts and we very much wrote to the people yes yeah
1: yeah, so I had a warlock, a wizard, uh, two fighters of some variety or another, and Jen, who is like an arcane trickster rogue, I guess, but with more magic, um, <laughs> <laughs> like a, a wizard who specializes in sneaky stuff and tech stuff. Yeah, that was basically that was basically all I knew about them. Other than it was like Leopold and Julian are a gay couple, and. Um, Leopold is kind of comedic and funny, which I don't know if that's became a focus, um, like it originally started out as being the idea, Um, but they're definitely a lot looser and Julian's more serious and reserved.
0: We had that scene with the hat um, and then it sort of, it sort of petered off after that, (laughs) but I still love that scene.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, The hat was your idea.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that basically you said, Uh, That you wanted something silly to happen. And I was like, well, how about this ridiculous hat that I saw Mm -hmm. earlier? Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) And without you helping me out with the weird, silly things, I just... It didn't end up being so much that. I still think Mm -hmm. Julian's a little comedic, a little funny, especially
0: in a few episodes. Well, I think... I think that um, both of them are pretty funny in the scene, uh, in the episode where they're like making out and Jack calls, like it's a very serious episode, but there's a lot of funny parts of it too.
1: Yeah, so that's what I knew about them. And then I just based them off of the actors who were playing them. So originally Mm -hmm. they were just roles that needed to be filled to flesh out the story, basically. Um, They were kind of hollow. I tried not to have them be too hollow, but as... I got to know the characters and their voices and stuff. I started writing uh, more for them, um, so that the characters would fit the voice.
0: I feel like the same goes there for Claire as well. Yes, uh, Claire was in. Yeah, uh, like she's not really part of the orc team, but same deal. Where we wrote, we wrote Claire for Sheila.
1: Yeah, there is a roommate in season one who, in my head, is someone different. Mm -hmm. Um, from Claire Um, and then Claire comes in in uh, season two and yeah I'm definitely writing for Sheila there because Sheila is fantastic Mm -hmm. but Claire was always kind of supposed to be uh, this flirty very flirty character (laughs) so that was definitely an idea that I had there Um, and then they became polyamorous later because we didn't have that in the show and I was like well we should throw that in there for those characters it's very much based on the actor playing them um obviously uh the actors I've hired I don't know nearly as well as I know Theron and myself and they had to fit into the roles that I'd already had in my head uh whenever I started writing um but I definitely um tried moving more towards um what they were giving me
0: yeah I feel like sort of a different version of a similar thing is uh, what we did with Tommy slash Carithel uh, with Max. Whereas like we wrote this very nervous character and we were like, oh, well, Max was like in our understudy list of people who like we wanted to give a role, but we didn't have enough. Uh, and they are very good at being anxious. <laughs> uh, so that's that's why we ended up with Max for that. At the time, we had no idea that that was going to be the main villain. Um, but I really, once I hit on that idea, mm-hmm. I pushed for it really hard. <laughs> you did.
1: And I liked it as well. <laughs> um, it took it took a little, little pushing to bring me around. But it was a good idea. And I think that we made it work pretty well. Mm-hmm unfortunately for drew we made it work pretty well yeah tommy was just a role that i needed to fill originally
0: they were just just sort of like setting the scene yeah setting the scene of pride i feel like you need you need there to be like a ridiculous hookup and for breakfast to happen Mm -hmm. Uh, and there needs to be somebody new there and it has to be a little awkward and yeah so we needed we needed someone like tommy
1: yeah um, and then Theron got the idea for them to be Carathel later, um, mostly because we needed a voice for Carathel, I guess, and Max was available. And I was like, well, I don't know. Max already did Tommy. And.
0: Well, I don't know if that's entirely what it was. What? I she mean, that's, part that's of it. definitely a part of it. <laughs> but um, I feel like I really liked the idea of a villain that even we didn't expect. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, and that that's that's who it had to be if we're going for something like that.
1: Yeah, and Carathel as a character and a villain, um, they were in season one. We've had them planned out for a little while. Um, I think initially when I wrote that, uh, we didn't know quite as much about Carathel as I might have liked. I'm not sure if I knew they were a mind flayer when I did that, um, but uh, the mind flayer thing was definitely something that I worked on around that time.
0: I feel like we've pretty thoroughly talked through the characters at this point. Is there anything else that like you meant to say that we didn't get to? Uh,
1: no, I don't think so. I think that's pretty, pretty much it.
0: Uh, it's your turn to ask me a question if you'd like. Okay.
1: Let's look. That's about sound design. So that's for me. Um, (laughs) that's also for me. These are legends of Chell. So I guess, um, Max asked a number of questions.
0: Yeah, you can give me another silly question.
1: So that's at Esoterics90sIP on Twitter. And the first one that they asked was, since Legends of Chell is set in the same world that Geneva comes from, have either of you ever thought about doing a big crossover event like Marvel style?
0: Uh, I have personally never thought of doing anything Marvel style. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually, like, I know, that I, I know that I play D&D and, like, other role-playing games and do a lot of basically like ensemble cast hero things all the time but at the same time it is not my jam to have like a bunch of heroes i like i can't necessarily explain it the idea of geneva and jack showing up in a different time period in Chell is kind of weird for me mm-hmm Uh, Like, if they show up directly, but I I do like the idea of, like, the echoes of them showing up, which we have had. Um, Yes, We, like, I don't know if we've ever said it, but Heat of Winter, the romance novel that Ichabod's mom is reading and that keeps coming up in Legends of Chell, is, like, basically a long-told story that is in a bunch of different permutations over time that's really Geneva and Jack's story.
1: Uh, yes. So, um, <laughs> Geneva and Jack's story became quite well known and popular in their region. And um, a lot of literature has been based on them. So, Heat of Winter is it's an old work, but it's still fairly recent. And a lot of the true facts about Jack and Geneva um from older works are probably not very well known and heat of winter has almost nothing to do with jack <laughs> and geneva other than kind of having their names it's kind of like it's kind of like um a fanfic or like a a media tie-in um, yeah i very
0: book. i very much consider it to be in the realm of fanfic sort of like i Imagine that there are hundreds of books about uh, this sort of relationship mm-hmm. uh, that are like very loosely based on these characters that everybody thinks are an archetype because they lived thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago yeah. at, at any point in Legends of Chell. <laughs> yeah,
1: there are lots of uh, books that have these characters' names together or derivations of these characters' names. Or that are clearly influenced by their story, they've been very influential over time. But yeah, I mean, there are going, definitely going to be references to uh, things that happen in the world, but I don't think we ever, we've ever planned on bringing them into like Legends of Chell game as thing as uh, people. Like bringing them out of time doesn't make any sense to me. Um, they had their time and their story, and they died and things have moved on
0: mm-hmm. i do have um game ideas like very vague game ideas that are set in geneva's time mm-hmm. so if we ever do something like that then i don't know if i'd consider it a crossover but there would probably be some sort of um thematic something or another where you can see all these little pieces uh from the shell side of things rather than the earth side
1: Yeah, and I don't have those ideas. (laughs) Interference is set in a time period that, through interference, I've developed a lot of lore about. But Mm -hmm. it's a time period that I consider to be uh, my wife's. My wife um, started it, my (laughs) wife developed it. This is all kind of their thing, and I'm working with it in interference, but overall, it's my wife's story, my wife's time period of Chell um, that I don't really know a lot about other than what I wrote in Interference. So, yeah, it's not something that I really have a lot of ideas for in that time period where I could even bring them in as cameos or anything. Mm -hmm. So I think that's Um, all I have to say on that. Do you have a question you're thinking about asking
0: me? I'm looking at the questions. Do you want to talk about sound design stuff?
1: I can talk about that.
0: Okay. So in our discord, Rachel asked, I'm a little curious, what is your opinion on writing out sound design? Do you write it out as visual so that when you do your sound design, you know how to make it more nuanced? Do you try for a general sound description? So it gets the point across and you don't have to make it really specific? Or do you like both? Uh, and then I'll leave the rest of it for afterwards.
1: Okay. So, yeah, I guess the short answer is both. So I have aphantasia, which means that I can't visualize things. And so I just, everything is words. It's all words in there. All words. Even sounds are kind of iffy. But I have kind of a feeling for what I want. So if it's something simple, uh, like a door opening like like door open close is something that I write a lot in my uh, sound effects notes as I'm writing or Footsteps or something simple like that. It's just like this is an environmental sound that I need and for other things sometimes they can be quite complex Um, sometimes I'm just like okay, I need uh, a sound effect here for whatever Detect Magic sounds like. I have no idea what that sounds like, but I need <laughs> that. So when I'm coming through, I have to come here and I have to figure out what Detect Magic sounds like. And sometimes I'm designing spells and I'm like, okay, well, I want some chimes glissandoing up here. And then like I want like a symbol hit of some kind. And then I want... <laughs> Like uh, the sound of a bug zapper or an arc welder or something sounds good to make this be like that. And sometimes it's very detailed. I have the ideas of the sounds that I'm looking for and what might be able to make those and what I might be able to find. Because as the question goes on to ask, uh, what sound effect and music libraries do I recommend people use? I basically use uh, free sound Mm -hmm. for sound. Occasionally I'll record... Something of my own, but I don't do that very often. I just go to free sound. Uh, sometimes, like I said, I know what I'm looking for. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I have kind of like, oh, well, I need it to be magical. A lot of times glissandos are good for that, um, of chimes or harps, which I learned by trying to find things. <laughs> Little bells and, like, finger cymbals and stuff. <laughs> um And then sometimes you have an idea for a sound you want and you know what it is and they don't have it or you can't find it if they do have it. Or sometimes the recording's just really bad and it's not usable because it has way too much noise on it for some reason. I go there. I find the sounds I need. If I can make the sounds on my own and they don't have what I need, usually it's easier to search for and find something there than setting up my mic somewhere near something I need.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We tried to record our own footsteps once and that was like a fiasco.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) So a lot of times it's just easier to find something there and then work with what I have. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Which is a thing that I do a lot, even when I probably don't really have to. (laughs) So, yeah, that's what I do. I do free sound and I don't do music very much. Where do I get music from Thering? I forget what it's called.
0: Uh, well, I mean, we use the the standby of Incompetech, but the cool place to get music is the Free Music Archive, which is yes. a project that at some point was run by uh, WFMU, which is a New York radio station uh, that was like sort of, it had the vibe of a college station, but it was like a public station. Um, and they have a lot of artists put up. Uh, public domain or creative commons music there um, and a lot of it is experimental and weird uh, so like way back in season one uh, when Jack didn't believe that Geneva was really a person from another planet uh, she plays some like rowdy metal music <laughs> that's from the Free Music Archive <laughs> mm-hmm. if you would consider what I do on Legends of Be sound design which I don't it's really dialogue editing with some occasional music Uh, I I get whenever I stick music in there, it tends to be from Free Music Archive. It also it usually at this point tends to be from one musician uh, who is under the name either Komiku or Mon Plaisir. Uh, Mm. They they publish under both um, and all of their stuff is public domain and they have a lot of variety. Uh, So they're they're like a really good artist to go to for uh, free to use music.
1: Yeah, um a lot of people use Incomptech and Kevin MacLeod stuff and Kevin MacLeod has a lot of stuff um a lot of it's also on Free Music Archive. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I think you've used a Kevin MacLeod song. Um
0: yeah, um I actually bought uh like the rights to like all of the individual pieces for use for a Kevin MacLeod song for like battle music once uh, Mm -hmm. so that I could like make it rise and fall as I wanted it to like he published uh, here's just the drum line and here's the the horns and all of that stuff and you could sort of mix and match it if you paid him five bucks or something like that so Mm -hmm. I I did Mm -hmm. that Uh, but (laughs) that was that was too much work for me let's tackle the rest of Max's questions I'm going to go from the least to the most, uh, important. Um, so what is Geneva's opinion of baby Yoda?
1: Okay. Um, this is an interesting question because I'm pretty sure. And Theron did some math, um, (laughs) that Geneva never learned of baby Yoda officially.
0: They left probably a couple of weeks before, uh, the Mandalorian would have been, uh, would have gone live in, like, assuming it's the real world.
1: Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Geneva wouldn't have known about Baby Yoda, but if she had, uh, (laughs) what would her opinion of Baby Yoda be? Well, uh, Baby Yoda is pretty cute and also, excuse me, also green. Um, (laughs) So uh, he's got that going for him. Let's see. It probably would have brought up some aliens what are they depicting thoughts like uh, the alien discussion on jack and geneva's walk did um was like oh is this supposed to be an orc and also it has like pointed ears so it's like is this supposed to be an elf
0: you know i thought that this was a really simple question but now i think about it we we have written episodes of interference based on a question like this yes we have (laughs)
1: Uh, I think Geneva's opinion would be mixed because Geneva definitely does like memes. Um, they tend to like throwing out older things. I think mostly to get the Jack response of rolling their eyes and <laughs> telling uh, Geneva to shut up.
0: Um, <laughs> That's another thing. Jack would absolutely say shut up when that is not... I do not say that. That is rude.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think mixed baby Yoda is cute, cute and cool, but also is this influenced by shell creatures? So <laughs> a little confusion and also, uh, interest in analysis in that way, probably.
0: I mean, he's a little goblin, right? Hmm. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Um... Okay, Max also asked what Jack and Geneva's McDonald's tie-in meals would be, like, in the style of the BTS meal that just was happening. Uh, And we both had immediate answers for that, so I think that Jack's tie-in would be a grown-up-sized Happy Meal. So you could choose, like, a quarter-pounder or ten-piece McNugget meal, and you would get a toy.
1: What kind of toy? Would it be a... A bigger toy? A more complex toy? Or it would just be the same thing as in a Happy Meal?
0: It would just be the same thing as in a Happy Meal. Okay. Uh, Though, like, the ideal toy would obviously be those little, like, those little toys that, like, they looked like McNuggets and, like, other McDonald's items. And then they were, like, little Transformers that turned Mm. into cars or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's, like, the choice McDonald's (laughs) toy that Jack would would really want. That would be cool if, like, the adult (laughs) Happy
1: Meal gave you, like, retro McDonald's toys. (laughs) Yeah, retro McDonald's toys. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) McDonald's toys from your childhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be really cool.
0: (laughs) What about Geneva's?
1: Geneva's is two breakfast burritos, two cheeseburgers, a large fry, four-piece chicken McNuggets with a packet of honey, and a medium Coke. Um, Because those are kind of all things that... I like, basically, I guess.
0: <laughs> I feel like Geneva would be all over breakfast burritos, though.
1: And I think that the four-piece chicken nuggets with a packet of honey is a, a weird thing that I picked up from my mom that's kind of worth throwing in there. Um, not necessarily four-piece, mm-hmm. because, you know, it'd be a regular one, a six, or an eight, or whatever. They have um, a
0: four-piece.
1: Yeah, I know they have a four-piece. I threw it in there to make it be a little less food.
0: <laughs> less it's a lot of food (laughs) it's a lot of food
1: geneva's big so (laughs) geneva needs a lot of food
0: Mm -hmm. okay um and then i mean i guess we already touched on this concept with uh when we were talking about the crossover that max also said while the story of interference is over are there any Plans for spin offs about other characters or expanded universe stuff? Uh, and I have an answer for this, but I would like to hear if you have one first, Hazel.
1: Okay. Well, um, I did start and am planning on at some point continuing an interference novel, which would be a retelling of the interference storyline with uh, additional stuff, of mm-hmm. course. So uh, I guess. That's a tie-in or a spin-off or something.
0: And I also have
1: thought of other things. There, and I have played around with writing Heat mm-hmm. of Winter.
0: Heat of Winter is definitely more my style of thing because of the fan fiction element of it. For a National Novel Writing Month not, not long ago, either last year or the year before, I toyed around with the idea of Heat of Winter, um, it, an erotic romance between a... Pirate captain and a scientist. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think Heat of Winter, as it is in Legends of Chell, is like a boss romance. Like, oh, I am being hired as your secretary and we are gay. <laughs> After having written what I wrote in Legends of Chell about that, I was considering writing a bad romance featuring these characters like mm-hmm. that. Um, I've also have considered uh, recently. Um, I have way too many projects to be working on anything like that. But I've considered recently maybe writing something with Jack and Geneva on shell. Or oh, an idea that I actually had was writing a story. about Earth after Jack and Geneva leave with all the different changes Mm -hmm. from the influence of magic on Tell, And I think that would be really cool. I also feel like that's not mine to write. Like, I couldn't do that proper justice even though Interference is like modern day with magic that's not my usual Mm -hmm. style. And it's not something that I enjoy reading a lot of times. And I just don't think that I could do that well. I think it's a really cool idea, but I don't think it's Uh, for me. So my
0: answer is just like, nah, we don't have any plans. We don't really plan. That should be clear by now. (laughs) (laughs) Like we have a lot of ideas uh, and that's clear, but we don't, we don't have plans to do anything. I I plan to have dinner at some point later tonight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's not quite true. Because there is going to be an Interference IPM um, episode this year. And I kind of plan on continuing that. I missed a year. I wanted to do it, but I didn't have the energy. And I kind of continue to do the Interference IPMs. I don't know what they'll be. I have no Mm. idea. So I don't know how long that will continue. But um, I do have uh, plans to write little... Short, isolated stories with Jack and Geneva on Earth. I don't see writing any on Chell. Chell's After Interference Mm -hmm. is done. So just like little little flashback episodes, little stuff that we didn't get to see in Interference. I can plan on continue doing those for IPM, so like once a year. (laughs) But other than that, there's not like any serious... Serious plans, other than I would like to write that novel someday, but we'll see because I've never finished a novel. (laughs) Not a full
0: novel. Uh, Is there anything else that you want to say about Interference before I move into the the Legends of Chell section of this document?
1: I don't think so. Do we want to see if anybody else... We don't have anybody in here, so I guess not. So on our Discord server, John asked... If I was going to ask any question, I think it would be, how did the players feel about the reverse math?
0: Uh, Well, it sucked. Uh, (laughs) Like, in in short, the reverse math was bad. We had spent all of this time building up our characters to be the great characters like that they were mechanically. um, And then all of that was turned on its head. And that's kind of what you would expect. At the same time like it sucked because we kept forgetting how it works. (laughs) And it was, we had so many moments and I left so many of them in where it was like, what are we supposed to be doing right now? Does this kind of check count for the reverse thing? And then like moments of excitement when you crit and then you realize actually that counts as a nat one. Uh, it (laughs) It was, it was just really like there, it was goofy and it, it was kind of funny But I would never, ever, ever, ever want to play a game like that again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So from a DM point of view, (laughs) I should have planned it out better than I did. What was going to work what way and what wasn't. And uh, kept a good note up at all times um, so that I could keep (laughs) track of it. Because it was a lot of work. It was difficult. Um, It did achieve what I wanted.
0: What, a lot of chaos and frustration?
1: Yes. A (laughs) lot of chaos, frustration, uh, you guys feeling less powerful and being a little more careful and
0: scared of things. Mm -hmm. See, the thing that I didn't like about it in that way is that uh, we felt off enough that mm, I might say everybody other than me, but that seems mean. So everybody had a tendency to lean into, like, dice over, like, role-playing. So, like, Waylon was laying on the ground attacking so that he would have disadvantage. Like, everybody was leaning into mechanical tricks rather Mm -hmm. than playing their characters the way that they would be played.
1: Yeah, I think it works... For the campaign and what I was doing.
0: Well, I mean, there were some very funny scenes of Waylon laying on the floor attacking <laughs> <Yeah>. people. <so. laughs>
1: I don't think it's anything I would ever do again. Um, besides being really difficult and hard to keep track of. Um, it's just <laughs> kind of weird. I was having trouble getting things up to a high enough challenge rating for you guys. Without it being... Too deadly? Yeah, too deadly and you guys being like, I know what that monster is. That's horribly deadly and I'm not going anywhere near it. (laughs) And I wanted to give you these enormously powerful godlike entities that you actually had a chance against.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. I think it worked
1: well enough. It was a bit too frustrating and (laughs) stuff. And I clearly had to reverse it when you got uh, to Marguin mm-hmm. at the end. Because
0: I do, I do she think had to be
1: able to have her own strength to fight you guys. So <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do think... That, like, despite how much I hated it and how how many times in my life that I will repeat that I never want to do that again. Uh, I thought that the world building that you did around it was amazing. Like, all of these, like, very sort of sweet soft boys who are, they they look like demons or beholders or stuff like that. The, the people in Station 5 were great. Mm-hmm. Thank <laughs> you.
1: Yeah, I think the world building I did around it is what really made it work and not be too much of a burden. Mm -hmm. After we got there and experimented with it a bit, we just kind of moved as quickly as we could to the fight with Marguin, which was going to be regular dice, not only for the logical reason of Marguin doesn't want you guys (laughs) to be more powerful than (laughs) she is, um, but also because... It was frustrating and hard to remember, and everybody wanted to be done with it. So having that reversal (laughs) at the end is nice.
0: Yeah, it was nice. Um, Okay, so another question from C. Tate. He says, Hazel has mentioned that the Oz books are a huge background influence. Can she talk a little bit about what in particular about it she tried to bring to the campaign or to the world?
1: Okay, so... Oz is a big influence for me. I love the Oz series. Um, Most people, I feel like, are only familiar with The Wizard of Oz. And they've probably not even read it. They've probably just watched the movie. But I've read all of the bomb books. I discovered them uh, whenever I was a kid at one of our local libraries. I think they didn't have all of them. But I read all of the ones they did have multiple times. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most obvious Oz element is the apple trees.
0: Mm-hmm. That one even managed to make it into the movie.
1: And there's always kind of a Wizard of Oz element whenever you have uh, three or four characters walking down a road in the middle of the woods. Um,
0: See, okay, I, I feel like I can tell that you're struggling with this. So is I, it okay am. If I Is it okay if I answer for you? Sure. So... Like, maybe Hazel can't see it, but when I am collaborating on something with Hazel, or whenever Hazel is is DMing any game, I feel like any moment where she's trying to inspire something strange or wonderful, like, you can tell that, like, deep, deep, way back in there, the root of where that idea came from, or the, the first time she had that feeling is... From the Oz books, like the most obvious moments in Legends of Chell are when the the apple trees attacked us. But I feel like the most distinctly Oz moments that we had are when Day was talking to animals or when she talked to Mm. the tree cutter. Like, Hazel invents all these strange animals, and that's, like, a thousand percent Oz in my mind because (laughs) those books had so many weird creatures like the porcelain people um, and the creepy couch monster, what's his name? The Gump? Yeah, the Gump from, I think that's Return to Oz, right? Uh... That's with Ozma, yeah. not with Dorothy, so... Yeah, I that's, think that's, so. that's as far as I know. Um, <laughs> so there's, like...
1: there's a movie that has a name that is not the name of either of the books. That's in mm-hmm. between two of the books. Um, and I'm not good at titles. Um, mm mm-hmm.
0: So I basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I feel like Oz is built into Hazel's storytelling DNA to an extent that she doesn't even necessarily know it (laughs) when it's happening. Yeah. (laughs) Oz
1: and Xanth both are wild and weird monsters and things. But the apple trees were the direct and there was also the Wall of Fire that you had at the end of the um, pendulum pit after you solved the puzzle in the museum.
0: hmm
1: That was inspired by The Wizard of Oz. There is um, a scene in one of the books where someone has stolen all of the wizard's tricks. Um, he can do actual magic at this point, And they're trying to get that back and some other stuff's going on. And they come across a wall of fire. The only way to shut off the wall of fire is to be on the opposite side of it and stick a pin in it. And so the wall of fire where you guys uh, take the trampoline and bounce off of it and then mm-hmm. it goes away is also a direct uh, Oz reference. Though it doesn't doesn't work exactly the same way. And I didn't do it very well, I don't feel like. But I that thought was that also was a good trap. That was also a direct uh, Oz reference.
0: Hmm. I have one more thing to say, which is that in the Wizard of Oz, they make it to the Emerald City and they all have to put on these green glasses and the people at the gate say that it's to protect their eyes from all of the beautiful emeralds in the city. But eventually, you learn that they are green glasses um, and that everything in the emerald city is actually white. And it's still beautiful and it's, it's still extremely valuable stuff. It's made of diamonds and stuff instead of emeralds, but they've played this trick on you. And I feel like that is the kind of story that <laughs> Hazel was telling. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. So
0: it looks like we have one more Legends of Chell question. Yeah, I thought about this one for a long time because, well, the campaign, we wrapped up a long time ago. Like we finished recording last April. Um, So it's been a long time and it lasted over a year. Um, So Jazz's question, what's your favorite part of Chell that was made up during the campaign by a player, not Hazel? required some thought um because like it's hard to even remember all of the different crap we came up with over the course of the campaign Mm -hmm. but my answer to it um hazel i don't know if you thought but my answer is my favorite thing in the campaign is kieran's contribution to the saint michelle mythos uh so waylon I think that Kieran wanted to play an Asimar for mechanical reasons, because that's sort of the heart of gaming for him. But he's also way into storytelling. And so, like, when we brought up this concept of, like, we have these gods, do you want your deva to be related to any of them? And he picked St. Michelle and we started, like, collaborating on what that would look like. Like, I feel like that's my favorite part of playing rpgs the way that we sort of we laid out a framework and whenever there were moments that kieran wasn't absolutely sure we we, what he wanted we filled it we backfilled details for him but mostly he built all of this cool stuff into saint michelle for wayland's character Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i don't really have a good answer for this like you said it was a long time ago and my memory is very bad (laughs) And the Bell's Run campaign is very much largely... uh, Hazel does a bunch of weird stuff and tries to keep you guessing as much as possible.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Here's some weird monsters that she's designed because all of you are very experienced players and you know (laughs) everything. And Hazel likes making weird monsters. (laughs) Yeah. So here's weird monsters and weird gear and... Weird story. So, yeah, a lot of the Bells Run campaign is just, like, a lot of lore that I've built, which is not how Theron runs things, really.
0: No, not at all. A lot of your campaign was, like, your little private railroad. Um yeah. And, and I, I always work in way more uh, character input than that. Though, eventually, at some point, it does become that things are inevitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Like yeah, it's it's very hard for me to think of anything that isn't directly related to like our character backstories that isn't like 99% Hazel.
1: Yeah. Me too. So <laughs> what I remember that I like about a chill that wasn't made up by me during my campaign are the players. So I really love Ichabod and Ichabod's mom and their relationship. Yeah. And I like Ichabod's relationship with uh, Withers Morantelli, which is a character that David came up with. It's not my character. Mm-hmm. I you know played the character, so there's definitely a lot, in- there's a lot of influence yeah. there. But it's David's character that they created. I really like Day's a druid character with her... With her gay parents and her (laughs) little brother and her obsession with sheep and (laughs) textile projects. Mm -hmm. And day, as annoying as it was for me, uh, always walking around talking to animals.
0: What do you mean it was annoying? Those were my favorite parts. I know they're your favorite
1: parts, (laughs) but every time you talk to an (laughs) animal, it's like, Okay, I need to come up with a new animal voice. What is this animal... (laughs) talk about that I'm willing to talk about with Theron how much information am I willing to give <laughs>
0: from an animal uh, how
1: much, willi- how much invita- information are they capable of giving um, and figure all of that out for each different animal And it's just like, okay, I had stuff going on. And now Theron's going to get some information that I wasn't planning on giving (laughs) or that I don't know and have to invent and come up with.
0: But you were (laughs) fully, after the first couple of times that happened, you knew it was going to keep going. (laughs) That I always hoped. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I'm glad that that I got back at you somewhat for the reverse math thing. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough.
1: But yeah, as annoying as those moments were for me, they're also really good. Um, uh, I know they're really good because Darren really loves them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you did such a good job with them for something that you apparently did not enjoy.
1: I enjoy a number of them as well. No, I mean, you didn't enjoy was... doing them. Yeah. And I love beefy farmer Waylon and Gajazura And the weird accents that I pulled out for some of his relatives for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I I think out of all the characters, I really loved uh, Waylon's storyline and what Waylon was doing. And like mm-hmm. you said, Akiran. Uh, came up with a lot of that. I helped him name some of his family <laughs> because I needed them running around, and he had a lot of family to name. Mm-hmm. And we worked together a lot, all three of us: <laughs> Kieran, Theron, and I. Really, um, because
0: yeah, well, I mean, Saint Michelle yeah, is Saint my Michelle's character,
1: your really. character, and Kieran had ideas, and based off of Kieran's ideas, I had ideas, and I would talk to Theron about it because. It's Theron's character. And so uh, we worked a lot on that, uh, especially at the beginning, because I couldn't consult with Theron too much after. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think I really loved the whole Asimar, St. Michelle, Waylon helping to redeem Heather storyline. I really enjoyed that as well. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I really loved the characters and the world that they built around themselves. And I'm sure that I allowed them to build some other things as well, but I don't know what they are because I can't remember.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm sitting here just trying to think, but I feel like, yeah, our characters were so many, there were so many great things that we like gave you to work with. And I think that Waylon and... Heather is is like the epitome of what we were what we were going for and what worked well about the way that you were telling mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. And
1: the way your characters reacted and developed through the campaign they especially uh, after the loss of Ichabod. Yeah, it was good. <laughs>
0: it was a good campaign. We did a good yeah, job. We finished it, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we have talked for way too long, so I think it's it's not only a good, a good time to end it, the end of our questions, but
1: necessary mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at this
0: point. <laughs> so uh, thank you all for listening, and thank you to everybody who showed up to listen to us babble about stuff. Uh, we will get this up on the air as soon as I've gone through it to edit out any time that we sounded foolish or maybe revealed anyone's identity accidentally who doesn't want it i'm not sure if we did that but i'm gonna check uh (laughs) and we will see you around for the next project for the next season of legends of Bye. bye